This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening, being with us as the week winds down. And I'm Billy Embody. With me, Shay Dixon, to break down a few topics kind of around all the different things we can talk about in college football and also college basketball as uh, LSU got plenty of good news to kick off the week. The top 25 poll came out and uh, one of LSU's transfer portal uh, participants, I guess you could say, has found a new home. So let's jump right in, though, Shay, with the biggest news, I think, of the week. Jamar Chase. His dad, Jimmy Chase, friend of the show, has opted in for the 2020 season. It's a little wild that we're talking about that still, but it's been a big topic around college football as players have been making their own decisions as to whether they should be playing this season. Jamar, a top 10 type of pick in the 2020, 2021 NFL draft, uh, he's opting to play with the Tigers and you know, come back and, and lead this team again. Yeah, I mean, his dad said that they were he was fully focused on on being with the team, on playing the season. And and really, look, we've heard so much conversation about guys sitting out. The reality is, is we're talking about upper level guys like the Jamar Chases of the world. Now, Jamar saying he's going to play. There's only been three guys that have said, I'm not playing who are high NFL draft pick type guys. Caleb Farley was the is the corner at Virginia Tech. He was the first guy, and that kind of got things rolling. And then the two big names this week were Micah Parsons at uh, Penn State, obviously. Um, he's one of their best players. He's a linebacker. He's one of the top linebackers um, in the draft when 24-7 did our top 50 players of the year. He was number six. Um, so that's a, the biggest domino. And, and Rashad Bateman at Minnesota being the other. If you don't know who Rashad Bateman is, he's going to be a guy who ends up getting drafted probably in the first round and beyond Chase. and. And the obvious Bama receivers, um, he'll be up there uh, as one of the first guys taken not from those teams. Uh, I think that when you look at Parsons and you look at Bateman, those are big decisions, no doubt. And you can even throw Caleb Farley into that. But we still haven't had anyone from the SEC say they're sitting. We still haven't had certainly anyone from LSU's team. And uh, I'm curious, the NFL deadline to opt out is today. And, and we're recording this on a Thursday. So today at 3. We still haven't had any LSU players opt out uh, of the NFL season and certainly no like massive dominoes there. So I, I wonder if it gets into even the double digits, which is where all this came from um, when Alex Scarborough at ESPN reported um, that agents had told him there were double digit guys who were first round type picks that were thinking of sitting out. So far, we're at two or three. We're already into the month of August. I'm just not so sure I'm buying into some widespread thing of everybody sitting at least where things stand now. Yeah, it seems like LSU for the most part is going to be safe for this. I mean, we who knows, players could get in there in fall camp when that starts in a couple of weeks and and make a different decision and and opt out. But 
I, I think right now LSU is safe. I think for Jamar, he's just so competitive. And that's what it came down to for him, I would think, is him wanting to continue to show why he's the best receiver in college football. He won the Blitnikoff Award last year. He set so many records and just was a huge, huge part of the offense. With Miles Brennan taking over, having Jamar Chase is a huge, huge deal for not only Miles Brennan, but for LSU in general. It'll help Terrace Marshall. It'll help Eric Gilbert. It'll help the run game. It'll help the offensive line. It's a trickle-down effect because you have somebody that demands double coverage. And even then, it's a struggle for teams to defend Jamar. And I think his motivation and will to get better and want to get better just kind of sits behind this. And he wants to do it again. He wants to be a two-time Bolitnikoff Award winner, and he's never satisfied. And I think that's part of the reason why uh, he opted into the season. And, you know, it, it's a weird conversation to have to have. But, uh, gosh, I mean, the impact Jamar is going to have this season is, is just going to be huge for LSU. And he's a, a part of the reason why LSU is in the top five of the coaches poll. Yeah, and look, if there's any – like this would be Parsons' mentality is – He's thought of as the second best player defensively in the upcoming draft. And that's where your mind's at. If it's okay, I'm not sure how the season's going to go, um, but I don't want to derail my hopes of being uh, a top 15 pick. Uh, and a guy like Parsons, you would say, okay, I, he could do that. He could sit. There have been rumors at Penny Sewell at Oregon, who's the number one offensive tackle expected to be a top 10 pick, uh, is entertaining at least the idea of playing or sitting. So you understood it with Jamar if he sat right like everyone you said it he won the Blitnikoff he was the most productive receiver in the country really alongside Justin Jefferson a year ago uh, and he's thought to be the best receiver in college football this year so and that wasn't going to change if he sat out but as you said it's the competitive nature of him I couldn't have ever seen him sit out and, and honestly I don't see any of LSU's guys sitting out in large part if we're talking about your go-to guys Billy I think a they want to play I think that b guys beyond Jamar are going to want to up their stock. This is, and that's one thing I don't think people are talking about. And because it's the obvious is what normally happens is some of these guys want to play a to play. They want to get back to playing football, but B they can up their stock only about 10, 15 guys. You would say could sit out and nothing will really change for him. Jamar would have been one of them. For instance, Jacoby Stevens, he can work his way into a first round pick. Not if he sits now, he's going to be one no matter what. It just doesn't work that way for me. So I think, Guys are going to be encour you know, encouraging themselves. I'm not encouraged, but guys are not going to have much second thought if they want to be a first or second round pick to just play. Yeah, and I think it's also a credit to the to the culture Ed Ogeron's built to to have these guys locked in on playing and to to have them locked in on defending this national championship. And I mean, you look at the top five of the coaches poll that was released on on thursday as we're just before we were recording this it's clemson ohio state alabama georgia and then lsu and georgia you know they've made it to the sec championship game they had a, a national championship game appearance of course against alabama but lsu's beaten them twice now in, in the last two years and uh i was a little surprised that lsu was behind georgia i mean i shouldn't say surprised i think sometimes lsu gets slept on a little bit more than than you know, kind of it deserves. I still think LSU is a better football team than Georgia, uh, but that that top five uh, is fine with me. Outside of LSU being behind Georgia, I would say maybe I would maybe there's an argument for LSU to be ahead of Alabama as well. But um, you know, LSU just lost a lot. Of, uh, you know, obviously to the NFL draft and graduation, but it's uh, that top that top five out outside of the Georgia LSU thing was really my 
one that 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 kind of stood out to me. Yeah, and I thought that Georgia. I'm with you. I would have LSU above Georgia because they're also giving Georgia this credit of okay, well, Georgia lost Jake Fromm. Well, they've got JT Daniels and Jamie Newman coming in, and they've played some college football before, so I get it. Maybe you give them an edge there over Miles Brennan in terms of how ready they are this year. But then the other confidence is, well, they're going to turn things around because they've got Todd Munkin now. So certainly we really believe in Georgia's offensive philosophy. Um, If Kirby Smart's going to turn over the reins and not run, um, you know, this pro-style run-heavy attack, not taking many risks in the passing game, which is what they did with Fromm and and all the great running backs they've had. But LSU's already there. That's what you wondered with LSU, and they did it. And now they've got Brennan and a new offense. And, yeah, they lost 14 starters, but they recruit as well as Georgia does. I mean, they're replacing guys. Uh, all across the field with other talented players and certainly bringing back guys like Chase and Stingley, who, in my opinion, are better than anybody that's on Georgia's roster. So I don't get that for sure. And look, the voting wasn't that far off, but I did find it interesting that LSU got more first place votes than Bama did. Uh, And when you look at uh, the rundown, Clemson took 38% or 38 of the first place votes, Ohio state 17, LSU six, Bama four, it's been a long time. I bet well over a decade uh, that LSU had more first place votes than Alabama in a preseason coaches poll. I can't remember what 2012 looked like, but I doubt LSU would have been ranked ahead of them after losing. So thought that was interesting because I think that even with Tua gone, people look at Alabama as, well, they didn't lose as much as LSU. So certainly they'll be better. Um, but at least it seems with the, how the coaches are looking at it right now, there's uh, a small gap, but a couple of them feel like LSU's in a better spot than Bama is. Yeah, and it, I think that makes sense too. I mean, Alabama's replacing Tua Tungvaluwa, and yeah, there's some confidence on Max Mac Jones. Uh, another thing on the Georgia front, Jamie Newman was picked as like you know one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC and all of this, and then JT Daniels gets eligible, and now it's a quarterback competition. I just don't understand. I mean, I I I, I think they're talented. But whenever that's the case, whenever JT Daniels gets eligible, getting eligible now creates a quarterback competition in Georgia, that just tells me that Jamie Newman, you know, at least preseason-wise, might not be one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC like he's thought of. I think that's a, that's a little bit of a double standard there. Like, he's either one of the best quarterbacks of the SEC or he's not. And either Georgia now has two of the best quarterbacks in the SEC or – you know, there's a quarterback competition. They've got to figure out what they're going to do. I, I just think that one was really interesting, especially when Miles Brennan is a redshirt junior. He's been around. He completed 60% of his passes with the backups last year. He got time in the college football playoff game against Oklahoma. I mean, this is now a, a, a veteran that, and by all accounts, you know, the players and Miles is interviewed and Ed Ogeron talks about him. He, he's ready for this. 100%. I, I absolutely 100% think he's ready for this. I think that he's locked in we've seen how much he's transformed his body and and mentally he gets talked up uh, a ton for the progress he's made he seems to be in a leadership role and he's got guys around him jamar chase can be a leader Paris marshall can be a leader you've got guys like austin deculus on the offensive line that can be leaders for you uh, um certainly bringing back <clears throat> ty davis price and chris curry and john emery guys like that are in their second year in the program they've been relied on they played in big spots um, so I think that will be, that'll be key for them. I think this offensive line will be something to watch of, of what the eventual starting group looks like, how much depth they have. Um, but I, I feel like uh, I would pick, I'd pick LSU's offense over Georgia's right now in a heartbeat. And I know that LSU's got a better corner in Stingley 
And they've got some really good players now on the D-line. Their D-line this year is going to be better than it was a year ago. So in some ways, I think LSU is being slept on in that sense. But I also understand that when you set an NFL draft record for 14 guys drafting you, it's 20 total, you're going to end up losing, you know, there's going to be some uh, prove it to me uh, kind of time frame that, uh, that LSU has got to step up and answer the call there, uh, but they've done it before. Um, and look a year ago, nobody said LSU was the number one team. Uh, in fact, they had them about in this spot, uh, what five or six before the 2019 season. So I'm interested to see once the schedule's set, uh, how they get out of the gate in sec play, because I think they're going to catch some people uh, off guard. And I know we're on an LSU podcast. So, uh, LSU fans probably feel the same, but uh, after a year ago, I don't think the offense is going anywhere. It's just going to be a matter of uh, continuing to execute and and get better with uh, without Joe Burrow and and Justin Jefferson and and a handful of those offensive linemen. Yeah, and Clyde. We'll yes, of course, and Clyde. And we'll see. We'll see. I think how the schedule, whenever that comes out, uh, should be soon. Uh, but might even be out by the time this podcast drops. But anyway, I I think. Look, there's going to be no um, tune-up game, really, for this team. You know, they would have had a UTSA to open the season with and, and get their feet wet before Texas. And then they're just going to jump into SEC play. And while I would think, and this is just kind of a speculation, that they'll – I would think Ole Miss would remain the season opener. I, I mean, it's already there. It's it's scheduled. So I, it's an SEC West game, so they it, it'll be on the schedule. I would think just speculating that that's the opener and that's not a bad season opener for LSU to get its feet wet. And then they're into the, whatever the schedule uh, ends up being. And I, I think in an sec only schedule for many of these teams, there's, I, I think it's going to be harder to go undefeated uh, than, than any other year. I mean, you don't have a tune-up game and you don't have uh, some of these out of conference FCS games that, that we've seen. And so uh, I, I think it, you're going to see a little bit, uh, more competitiveness in the SEC in terms of the potential for maybe a surprise team to end up in Atlanta. But uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think the, the, you know, sleeping on LSU is after, after the NFL draft and breaking in a new quarterback and everything makes a ton of sense, but it's also the same thing Georgia and Alabama are doing uh, ahead of LSU in the coaches poll. Now, a lot of quarterback talk there. Peter Parrish, former LSU quarterback who was uh, removed from the roster earlier this summer, entered the transfer portal recently is headed off to Memphis, a, a team with a high-powered offense. They have Brady White, who's one of the better quarterbacks in the country, more most productive quarterbacks in the country for sure. And he's going to take his stab at eventually trying to win that starting job uh, when, when Brady White leaves after this year. And uh, look, he lands in a good spot in a in a proven you know offensive system. And 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 best of luck to him, Shay. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see with him and Keelan Brown a couple of. Uh... Well, Keelan Brown being a Zachary, so Baton Rouge area kid who signed with Memphis at quarterback and now Peter Parrish being an LSU kid who spent a year here and signed <clears throat> to play quarterback at Memphis, or at least committed. So I guess he'll be enrolling there and, and signing soon. But um, interested to see with Ryan Silverfield's program uh, if either of those guys are able to make some headway uh, in the coming years. Obviously, Brady White's a pretty good player, and they've had some good quarterbacks come through there. I uh, and But for look, for LSU fans, You've known this. He was off the team in March. He never came back to the team. He wasn't at spring ball. He wasn't around this summer. Coach O's always talked about Brennan being the starter, the two freshmen, Max Johnson and TJ Finley, being the backups. And um, as fall camp plays out, it'll begin August 17th, I think it is, Billy. And then 
first game September 26. We don't know who the first game is. Like you said, it could likely it'll remain Ole Miss, um, which would be a home game. But um, across that, what, six weeks, I think one thing um, that I'll be eager to see is which one of those guys wins the backup job um, between uh, Finley and, and Max Johnson. So uh, be tuned in for that. We'll break that down plenty um, at the end of this month or middle of this month and, and into September. But uh, it will be something to monitor because um, you're a, a hit or an ankle twist or a helmet popped off away from one of those guys going into the game. Yeah, and and Shay, you you make a great point there about quarterback battle, position battles, and the thing right now, which we don't know, is will media be allowed in? What will we get to find out? And this is the perfect time to jump on Go Twenty Four Seven with a subscription. And if you're a longtime listener to the podcast, maybe you haven't tried Go Twenty Four Seven dot com. Go check us out because we've got fifty percent off annual subscriptions. Carries you all the way through next year into hopefully a on time start to fall camp in in the first week of August next year. But for now, we're going to be able to drop a ton of VIP tidbits. That's a big plus with our message board and everything like that. So all month long, you can take 50% off annual subscriptions. Shay, we've seen a bunch of people jump on board. uh, And and it's been a lot of fun to to see new faces on the message board and and get to interact uh, during this time when we're all kind of chilling at home and and just kind of watching... uh, uh, you know, sports uh, as they're all in the bubble with the NBA and NHL and MLB and, and soon enough, football will be back. Yeah, it's actually, we've gotten to know a lot of the board members uh, a lot better than we ever imagined we would with no sports and nothing to talk about. And um, I think anybody listening who's on the Go 24-7 on the Death Valley board would agree. Uh, we need sports because we are tired of of the back and forth with, uh, with, the, with the normal crew. We've got the morning crew, the night crew. Uh, the old timers, I think everybody uh, can agree that, boy, we need sports back because uh, we've gone a little off topic for a little too long. And, and thank God that now we're into the month of August uh, and football, NFL and NCAA is, is inching closer, Billy. No, good, no doubt about that. And also looking way down the line, we've got college basketball ahead. And LSU got a ton of good news earlier this week with the return of some key Tigers to Will Wade's basketball team. We're going to break down that on the other side of this break from the Go 24-7 podcast. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave us a rating, leave us a review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. If you leave us a review, include a question. We might just answer it on the pod uh, as we are always looking for things right now until the season starts to uh, chat it up about. But Shay, uh, Will Wade got great news on Monday, 
And like he said, maybe in a different time, different year, sans COVID, all three of these guys don't return. But instead, he gets Javante Smart, Darius Days, and Trendon Watford all back for this Tigers basketball team, a team that should be in the top 25 and should be really one of uh, the best teams in, in, in the conference and have a chance to get back to the NCAA tournament once again. Yeah, and look, everybody knows uh, that you're the resident basketball expert. You cover other recruiting stuff for us. You've had a good feel for the program over recent years, and we've actually got a really good. I mean, she was getting a good basketball following now that Wade's been winning in recent years. Um, but the board loves chatting about basketball, so we'll flip the script here. I'll take the mic. When you heard Wade, you thought, and you had said all along, days will come back. We'll see what happens with Javante, but pre-COVID pre-workouts, Trendon seemed a one-and-done player. Fast forward to now, what was the initial reaction? Maybe more importantly, like how much on a scale of one to 10, what was this team without those three guys and what is this team now with them? Like how much better did they just get? I think they got a ton better, especially in the in the backcourt and I think skill-wise because you add Javante Smart back. He's, he had the best assist-to-turnover ratio in the SEC. He really emerged as one of the best point guards in the SEC. And that was just in year one, taking over for Tremont Waters. And then you add back Trendon Watford, who's got so much offensive skill, and Darius Days, who's incredibly efficient when he's on the court. They just got a ton better. And then experienced basketball teams, just they tend to do a lot better than people give them credit for. There's a ton of like one and done talk and, and you know, super teams and things like that. But when you've got the combination of depth and experience like they have, and then coupled with some of the incoming guys like Cam Thomas, who's just incredible. He's going to be one of the best scorers in the country. You add in Josh LeBlanc, who they hope to have eligible right away. Brian Penn Johnson and Josh Gray, two seven-footers. This team has a ton of different pieces now. So beforehand, if Trent and Watford would have departed, I think they could have figured it out a little bit better just with LeBlanc and Sharif O'Neal and Mwani Wilkinson and, and the two seven-footers. But now that they have him back, I mean, they're just that much more talented. I mean, he was an all, Trenton Watford was an all SEC freshman and now looks ready to take the next step. His brother played in the pros. He knows what this year coming up for him could mean getting into the first round of the NBA draft potentially. Uh, so they went from probably just outside the top 25 and, and will have had to kind of prove it and show why they should be in the NCAA tournament again to having all the benefit of the doubt. And all they really lost was Emmett Williams and a couple of reserve guys. So they're, they're going to be ready to go, I think, for this season. And last year, with the pieces they had and really the limited depth they had, you probably would have thought that team would have been kind of middle-of-the-pack SEC. But they really put it together in SEC play and ended up in the top four. And I see them being a top two, three, potentially, uh, you know, not a dark horse when you're that high, but uh, could potentially win the SEC title again. When you look at this is a question a lot of people on the board immediately ask because you're bringing in a number six recruiting class. You're losing essentially Emmett Williams and, and Skylar Mays. And you look at the starting lineup last year, Billy, um, and the guys who started you know, the bulk of the games uh, were Trendon, Skylar, Emmett, Javante, and Darius. Now, you're only losing Skylar and Emmett from that group. Is, it, is the new starting five as easy as who subs into those two spots? Who are the new Skylar and Emmett? I think at one spot, it's it's 
pretty easy. And that's Cam Thomas uh, going in, going in there in the backcourt. I mean, he's somebody that can really go. Uh, I got a chance to watch him multiple times over the last few years. And even as a young player, you know, coming off of uh, his freshman year, going into sophomore year, I got a chance to watch him and he was just incredible. And you knew that he was going to be one of the best players in the country. And uh, sure enough, I mean, fast forward, I remember interviewing him and he was you know, saying how much Will Wade was talking to him and his mom. And I was like, you know, maybe they can end up getting him out of Virginia. And sure enough, they did. And, and it's a big, big boost for LSU losing Skyler to replace him with Cam Thomas, who's a little bit more explosive. He's a, he's a true freshman, but he's a potential first-round draft pick. He's a five-star for a reason. And then in the front court, I would – it'll be interesting to see what happens, okay? Because you have the two seven-footers and Brian Penn Johnson, who Will Wade is confident will get eligible right away, transferred from Washington, and they're really high on him. And then Josh Gray, who's a true freshman, and he needs to kind of refine some portions of his game, but he's got that size. And then you've got Trendon Watford back, and you've got Darius Days back. Where does it all fit in? Because Will Wade does want to have a rim protector out there like they had back when they had Cavell Bigby Williams and to an extent Nas Reed. So are they going to stick Brian Penn Johnson out there from the get-go if they if they get him eligible? Or is it Trendon Watford and Darius Days and they have Charles Manning and maybe Josh LeBlanc if he's eligible or Sharif O'Neal playing the three or Mawani Wilkinson if he can put on some weight. So the front court is kind of the one where I'll have to watch, and I think we'll all kind of have to watch how much different Will Wade wants to change his system defensively because that's something he's doing. That's why they brought in the two seven-footers mainly. But they have a lot of size. They have a lot of versatility. They can go with a bunch of different lineups. Uh, but I think the, the two that are locked in are Javante Smart and, and Cam Thomas and Trenton Watford. You touched on this obviously just now a bit, but the rim protector thing, like that was like the Musa Cisse storyline of the offseason. And is the is that a worry anymore? Do you have enough other players um, like it was a year ago where you said, Well, we we can figure it out, you know, it's this isn't some major loss for us because last year obviously you get back Wadford, who is a rebounding machine, whether it's offenses or defense. Um, but Emmett what he probably was up there in rebounds last year. He certainly led the team in blocks. Who, who are the rim protectors? Are rim protectors Wadford and what are they getting out of uh, one of their newest additions who Wade seemed confident, you've said it many times, is going to be eligible in Brian Penn Johnson? Yeah, for Brian Penn Johnson, he's similar to Cavell Bigby Williams in the way that he didn't play that much at his previous stop, but his per 40-minute numbers were very strong. He wasn't a double-double, a walking double-double like Cavell Bigby Williams was coming over from Oregon, but he was a 12, I think his per 40 are 12 and 8. So you're looking at 12 points and 8 rebounds. That's pretty solid, especially for how limited he played. I think he battled some injuries. So you've got these these rim protectors in Brian Penn Johnson and Josh Gray, who's super athletic, really long, uh, kind of looks like Cavell uh, in terms of his body and just kind of what he brings to the table. Those two are your rim protectors. And then you've got guys with length and athleticism uh, that can that can rebound the basketball in Trendon Watford. And don't sleep on this name. He's not a rim protector, but he's going to be right up there in terms of rebounding whenever he does get eligible is Josh LeVon. He would have been a difference maker for this team this past year. He can play the three, he can play the four. Um, he can rebound. He's one of the best defenders on the team right from the jump. I think he actually made LSU a lot better 
when they entered SEC play when he came over and transferred back from Georgetown because he was that aggressive in practice and in scout teams and and helping this team get better. So those are your guys to watch in terms of rebounding, but the two seven-footers in Brian Penn Johnson and Josh Gray, those are the ones that are going to have the chance to really affect shots and help protect that rim for Will Wade. When you look at last year's team, you had what? Every starter was a, a double-digit score. I mean, even Days was into double digits. Is that that can that happen again? Uh, and I would expect it too. If a guy like Cam Thomas, we've heard so much right out of the gates about him. If he's a natural scorer, doesn't have to be Skyler out of the gates, but um, that then out of that spot where you're replacing Emmett, that you're going to get a double-digit score. Like, is this a team that's going to put five six out there that can go for double digits every night? I would err on on saying yes, and here's why. One, ever since Will Wade's been in Baton Rouge, offense has been the the main thing that has that has allowed this team to go. And and while while their three point shooting hasn't been tremendous, their efficiency and their ability to put the ball in the basket, which is the name of the game, has been great. And they've really done a good job. And uh, I think. Yeah, you could see five five guys in double digits again. I think they'll have a little bit more depth, and they might be able to take some minutes off of guys and and help them you know, hold up a little bit better over the course of the season. So maybe it might be off a little bit in that regard. But again, the offensive scheme, what Will Wade puts together in that regard has been strong in Baton Rouge, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. So I'll go, I'll go yes. I think they could have five double-digit scores. You know who my favorite player on last year's team was? It was Charles Manning. I felt like there were times when they didn't play well in games or they looked lackadaisical or defensively they weren't showing much effort. He seemed to be the one guy that came off the bench and really had a fire underneath him. I'm interested to see what he does. We're wrapping up here so you can keep it brief, but Charles Manning and Andre Hyatt, what do they bring to the team? Because the other guys who were contributing last year are now gone. Those guys are back, but they're kind of, at least in the conversational afterthought of getting excited about the big three returning, getting excited about a number six class. Um, but what is, what does a Hyatt and Charles Manning do for a team when both those guys were, you know, they were playing double digit minutes a year ago. Certainly Charles Manning was at a 20 minutes a game. Yeah. I think Charles Manning and I, I do this too. I kind of underrate him in terms of how much we, we talk about him and need to talk about him because he's one of the best defenders on the team. And like you said, when, when he was out there, Especially that I remember that game against South Carolina when he came back, I believe off of injury, and he made such a huge difference on the road at USC. And that was like, you knew, I think if LSU would have had Charles Manning and Marlon Taylor healthy all year last year, they would have probably finished a little bit better than the SEC, but they just would have been so much better defensively. I mean, those are two uber athletic guys that are competitive. They're defense first, uh, but this year they've got Charles Manning back. He's got a chance to start too, again, kind of depending on that lineup versatility that they've got. Uh, but he'll bring a big defensive edge. I think Andre Hyatt flashed uh, a few times last year. He, he had some good games. Uh, we'll see kind of what his role is going forward. But, I mean, I think he's somebody they're comfortable having out there. And, and he's got some limitations, I think, athletically. He, he's had those knee issues. But uh, he just continues to improve. And he's a good, high-quality basketball IQ guy. Um, and we'll kind of see, uh, again, what he brings to the table. Uh, he had some really nice outings, you know, shooting the ball. Uh, once he got his feet wet, he struggled really early on, but improved throughout the year, and I think that's something to hang his hat on. Uh, so both 
figure to be rotational guys. Charles Manning could be, you know, could very well be their best defender. And then Andre Hayek can provide some minutes off the bench. All right. Well, uh, look, we're wrapping up on this edition of the pod. I'll ask you this is the way out. You already said it. This is kind of the trajectory of maybe winning the SEC, which you saw him do two years ago, um, but certainly being a firm top 25 team, maybe better. What is the outlook on, let's just say immediate, because people quantify it in terms of like how far can you go? And two years ago, people said this is a team that can make a run in the tournament. They went to the Sweet 16. They get bounced by Michigan State, who was red hot that day, and, and we're a better team. Um, but LSU was clearly one of the 15, 16 best teams in the country. You look at a year ago, they were going to make the big dance again. They had had guys coming back from the team that had gone to the NCAA tournament. So it wouldn't have been a surprise to see them win two games and get back to the Sweet 16. Am I wrong in saying, and I don't, this is a, dis, I'm not doing a disservice at all, I hope, to Skyler and to Tremont and to guys who were very big pieces to why they got to, you know, we're making deep runs and, and we're on really talented teams that were highly. Uh, thought of when it came to the big dance but I'm looking up and down this lineup this is the most talented roster Will Wade's had in my opinion and why you would have to think that the sites are or at least the bar is set on sweet 16 and, and the expectation that you could probably do better than that yeah and I think LSU the difference between the team that went to the sweet 16 and this year's team is this year's team is kind of slept on in a weird way and I, I it, you know that was you rewind it back. That was year two of Will Wade. He had a huge recruiting class, Nas and Emmett, Tremont and all those guys and Javante and Darius. And that kind of carried the hype this year. I think top to bottom, this is his most talented roster. I totally agree with you. Will Wade also has basically said that as well. I do think they can make a deep run again. I think it's going to depend on how much they improve defensively. I do think that they are being slept on, you know, by many. I mean, they're not in some people's top 25s, which I don't understand that. I think when you finish in the top three, four last year in the SEC and you bring basically everyone back and then add in some scoring punch and some key transfers, you're a better basketball team. So, yeah, I think they they got a chance to make a run in the NCAA tournament again. Uh, and And I think they've got the depth to do it. They've got the pieces to do it. They've got the versatility to do it. It's all about coming together and figuring this out, uh, getting good chemistry and, and, and piecing it all together. But uh, Will Wade, I think, learned a lot from year two with some of those different personalities and guys on that roster. And who knows, maybe he'll be improved in that respect uh, heading into this year. I'm interested to see. We'll see if they end up pushing back the start or how the, uh, how the schedule plays out here in November and into December. But um, let's keep our fingers crossed because it's both out as everyone was really a year ago to play a whole season and not get to watch the SEC tournament, let alone the big dance. Uh, people would be even more bummed if they have to get delayed watching this LSU basketball team because I think people, um, if we can judge the excitement of, of the past few days and, and know, know that, yes, people are just excited about sports being somewhat back, or at least news on sports, um, I can't remember a time where LSU basketball fans seemed this excited or at least this confident that well, we've got a coach, we've got a bunch of good players, we've got a top recruiting class, we've got everyone coming back, uh, we've got a track record recently of making the big dance, which has not always been a given here. Um, you can feel it. You can feel that that the confidence we're talking about right now in the team, uh, that fans share it, uh, that they think this is a team that can really make some noise. Absolutely. They're, they're, they're a proven commodity at this point, and uh, they'll be one of the best teams in the SEC, so... 
With that, we're going to wrap up this edition of the pod. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope it kicks off your weekend well. And I hope everyone stays safe out there. Shady, have a great weekend. For everyone out there, thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next time on the Go 24-7 podcast.